and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. Today we're going to talk about our top five favorite pop culture media of 2019, and we're also re-watching the pilot episode of The Dresden Files. But first, we want to tell you about our Spotify playlist that includes songs that we talk about on the show that we've mentioned, and also the intro themes of the TV pilots we've watched. I really like it. Like, I've listened to it voluntarily multiple times. It's really good. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> cool. So if you want to find that, it's on Spotify, and it's called Pause Pop, Songs We Dig that we mentioned on the show. And we will be linking to that on our social media and probably in the episode link. So check that out. Yay! So, KW, do you want to start with your top five? Because you made your list... Uh, like in two minutes, and it took me forever to make mine. <laughs> well, I think that this year was a good year for all kinds of pop culture media. And the stuff that I'm going to mention may not have come out in 2019, but it was stuff that I either discovered or got really into and was really consuming a lot in 2019. So I picked stuff from several different media genres. So I have a graphic novel series, a fiction novel, um, a TV show, a film, and a song that I want to talk about. So the graphic novel series is Paper Girls. And this is like a science fiction comic book series by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. And it comes out through Image Comics. And it started in 2015 and it finished up in 2019. And they're going to adapt it into a TV show. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, So basically the story is that there's four newspaper delivery girls, and um, they live in a fictional suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. Um, (laughs) And they're out delivering papers on the day after Halloween. And while they're delivering papers, their town is overrun with an invasion that they think is aliens, but it actually is people from the future. Ooh. Is that a spoiler? No, not really, because it happens pretty soon. Okay. You kind of figure that out pretty quickly. But the world building of the series is extensive, and it almost is kind of confusing. And I plan, I'm actually not totally done with every single issue. But when I'm finished with every issue, I'm going to actually go back and do a full reread because it's so complex. But it has a lot of nostalgia factor to it, similar to Stranger Things, because the girls are in 1988. And they end up going to various time periods throughout like the future and the past. And it's it's just really cool. And I love that it's for paper delivery girls and each one has a distinct personality and the adventures also like extend past them and it's just really rich. Have you read any issues of that? I can't remember. You know what? I haven't, but I've read some Brian K. Vaughn in the past and I really I really liked it. So I I think I have volume one on my Kindle. I've just gotta get to it. Great. Well I highly recommend it. It's great. I think I started it last year, but I have kept up with it and it's just fabulous. My novel pick is An Easy Death by Charlene Harris. Charlene Harris wrote the um, the books that were the inspiration for the True Blood TV show. And she also wrote the Midnight Texas trilogy, which was also adapted into a TV show. And An Easy Death is the first in her Gunny Rose series. And this series is set in an alternate past, but it's a, it's a U.S. where gunslingers have not really gone out of existence. And yet it's uh. the 1940s and it's... The U.S. is much more of a Wild West area, 
And Gunny Rose is actually a woman gunslinger. And one of her jobs is to safely carry people from different places because it's very difficult to travel in this world. She's very, very good at using her guns, but she's also, there's magic use in this world too. And there's a lot of mystery about her parenthood. And um, yeah, and I just really like that she's, I'm, I'm rewatching Parks and Recreation and she reminds me of a female Ron Swanson, to be honest. Um, huh. It's just, she's just very matter of fact. She hates emotion. She hates any display of outward affection or sentimentality. Hashtag same. <laughs> So you might actually really, really like that. Um, I just put it on my to read list for Goodreads. Yeah, it's great. She really just doesn't even she really just wants to live in a little cabin and be peaceful. But because she's so good at being a gunslinger and that she ends up having to keep going out on the road and have (laughs) adventures. So it's pretty good. So that was probably my favorite novel that I read this year. And then my favorite TV show this year, we've already talked about in a previous episode, my favorite TV show from this year is Schitt's Creek. And I only reluctantly started this. I did not love it until it went on to season two at the very least. And now I'm like, ah, I'm sorry to rewatch it. I can't wait for the final season (laughs) to come out. And I just, I just adore it. So that's proof that you really should probably try to give things a bit of a chance because you never know what's going to end up sticking. That's true. And then my favorite movie from 2019, the last Marvel Avengers movie came out, but I I actually would say that my favorite movie was Spider-Man Far From Home. And I liked that one a little bit more than the Avengers because I just love Spider-Man. I've always really been more of a fan of Spider-Man, even when I was younger, even before there was the Tobey Maguire movie series. And I like the films that still depict him in high school. I think those are fun. And I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He's really grown on me. And I thought the plot of this one was just pretty great. And it was a nice antidote after the last few Avengers movies were really sad. So yeah, and I really like Zendaya as MJ. I think she's pretty great too. And she gets a lot more to do in this one than she did in the first one. So that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have to, I have those on my list, but I haven't gotten to them yet. They're, they're good. I think you'll enjoy them. And then my favorite song of the year was a song called Alligator by Of Monsters and Men. And Of Monsters and Men is an Icelandic indie folk pop band. And some of their early work is a little bit more kind of inaccessible, but their 2019 album, A Fever Dream, the first single on that was Alligator. And the first time I heard that song, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is such like a anthem. And the video is super weird. The lead singer, whose name I absolutely cannot pronounce, I will try. <laughs> no, I'm not going to try. It's just a lot of strange letters that don't look like they should go together. But anyway, she's she actually looks like Bjork. So I feel like, oh, they're distant Icelandic cousins or something. And she's wearing really fabulous outfits in the video, but then she also turns into an alligator at one point, And that's just very neat. And the song itself is very inscrutable. And I'm not even sure what it means. I've actually researched a little bit of like, what do people think this song means? Some people think it's like an allegory of like, death and rebirth and coming into your own and having a change in your life that makes you sort of be more aware of something. I don't know, it's just it's very vague. They don't ever mention the word alligator in the song. Um, and the chorus is like talks about I'm fever dreaming, which is where they get the title of the album from. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you've heard that song at all or not. I haven't heard that one. I've liked earlier songs by them. So okay. I'm, I'm probably gonna listen to this as soon as we 
stop recording. Okay, awesome. I think you would dig it. It's just, it's just very, like, it's such good, like, driving music. It's, it makes you want to turn it up and hit the gas pedal a little, a little heavier. (laughs) So I dig that. So those are my top five, my graphic novel, novel, TV show, film, and song. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. This was a really hard challenge for me. (laughs) I'm cheating a little bit because my, my novel selection is actually a group of novels. I think we talked about this. You haven't read any of the Tortal novels by Tamara Pierce. Nope. For some reason, I like missed this series when I was a kid. Just no one ever recommended it to me or gave it to me. And when I got to like college, people were like, wait, you love fantasy and you've never read Tamara Pierce. So they've been recommending it to me for a long time. And I just haven't really gotten around to it. But they're kind of hard to put in a, an age category. I would, I guess I would call them young adult because they are, I guess, young adult. The audiobooks are really short. So the Tortal universe is very large it's by Tamara Pierce, which interesting fact was born in the town where my grandma lives. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I was like, why couldn't we have like, I don't know, been friends with her family? <laughs> <laughs> so arguably the most famous heroine of hers is Alana of Trabond, and she is a whole series called The Song of the Lioness. And it's about Alana taking her brother's place in order to train as a page and a squire and then become a knight. I recently finished that series. But the series that I liked a lot more, the Alana series was good. And I could see myself loving it if I had read it when I was 11. But for some reason, I just really love the Protector of the Small series, which follows Kelladry of Mindelin. Um, and she has a very similar progression. She wants to be a page and become a knight. Um, the difference is that she doesn't have to hide being a girl, but she still has to fight against all of the boys who, you know, think that she shouldn't be there because she's a girl. But it's a really fun universe and... The books are short and they are quick and they're highly entertaining. So, yeah, I read a lot of those this year. Cool. And I really enjoyed them. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, so for my movie, I picked Captain Marvel, which is not a surprise to anyone who knows me at all. Despite the fact that I love superhero movies, there's so much to keep up with right now, which is why I haven't seen the Spider-Man ones. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely interested in this one because it's the first Marvel solo movie with a female lead. So I was really excited about that. Saw it. I loved it. I've watched it a few times since then. I mean, Carol's a really interesting character. um, And I like that she is tough and just kind of angry all the time. (laughs) It struck a good tone for for me in 2019 here. <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> yes, yes. And I d- I saw this and loved it. It was so much fun. But yeah, she is an angry little girl. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And there's that there's a one scene towards the end, the climactic scene where they show her throughout her life getting knocked down or falling and then they show all the instances where she stood back up and that and like the music swells and <laughs> and it's just like, "Oh my god, I love it. This is fantastic." It was really good. There's this quote by, I think it's Kelly Sue DeConnick who wrote for kind of a recent run of Captain Marvel, but there's this quote by her that's like, Captain America gets back up because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> Captain Marvel gets back up because F you. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. So sliding into TV shows because very similar taste. 
I again cheated. I kept cheating. <laughs> um, I picked Cloak and Dagger and The Runaways, which are both Marvel TV shows. It's a little confusing. I think part of the thing with superhero stuff is like the worlds are so vast that sometimes it's hard to jump in. And it's hard to know all of the things that you have to pay attention to. And that's especially hard because you've got the Marvel movies and then the Marvel TV universe. Mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think was on ABC. Mm-hmm. But then Cloak and Dagger was on Freeform, but then Runaways was on Hulu. And it's just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, and then all the Netflix ones, too, that all got canceled. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. Jessica Jones and yeah. Luke Cage and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's just a lot to keep up with. And I don't I don't know why I connected most with, with these ones, but Cloak and Dagger is, it started um, in 2018 and it's had two series so far, two seasons, sorry. And unfortunately, it got canceled. I think a lot of the cancellations have to do with them switching over to, to Disney Plus, which is very sad. But hopefully, hopefully they'll kind of sort all this out, and maybe they'll give us Cloak and Dagger and the Runaways back. But as of now, they've both been been canceled. But Cloak and Dagger is about Tandy Bowen and Tyrone Johnson. They live in New New Orleans, and. They're connected through this shared childhood tragedy that included an oil rig explosion. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of crazy, and it. I remember the first season took me a little while to get into, but um, eventually they realize that they have superhero powers, kind of, and they're connected. Tandy's powers are she can make <laughs> daggers made of light, <laughs> and Tyrone's power is that he can like encloak himself in darkness (laughs) and like hide himself or transport himself and other people and yeah i mean it's really bizarre but i i very much enjoyed it and then the runaways is about six teenagers who who realize their parents are kind of evil and not all of them have superpowers they have interesting things going on like gert has a dinosaur who she's telepathically connected to (laughs) And like some of this stuff sounds really crazy when I say it out loud. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's for some reason I was just like, yeah, I am down for this wild ride of telepathic dinosaurs and daggers made of light. <laughs> and I think maybe the reason I connected with these two in particular is that they're both centered on teenagers. So they're sort of figuring out their lives and figuring out their powers, which I always think is interesting. And I do want to say that the third and final season of Runaways dropped recently on December 13th. And there is a crossover episode with the characters from Cloak and Dagger. So I I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very excited to do that. Again, very sad that both the shows got canceled, but hopefully, you know, I mean, I could keep watching the original seasons and and maybe they'll live on on Disney Plus somehow. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think it's possible. I've seen both of those. I like The Runaways a little bit better, um, mm. but maybe that's because I also read a lot of the original run of The Runaways. And when The Runaways first started on Hulu, I was so excited at how well cast all the kids were. I was like, yes, they look exactly like them. Mm-hmm. When I saw Alex's hair, I was so happy because it's yes. exactly the right shape. It was so perfect. And Gert and her purple hair and the <laughs> dinosaur. I was really like, how are they going to do that? And it looks fine. Like, it's yeah. not the best CGI, but for a TV show, it's pretty good. Right. Yeah, I was really excited about that. <laughs> Did you watch season two? Yes, I just finished season two. So okay. I'm cool. going to start season three pretty soon. Cool. 
while you were talking about that, I realized that actually one of the things that I really love about both shows is that the kids all form really strong relationships and some of them are romantic, but some of them are just platonic. And I, and I really love that, you know, all six runaways kind of form a family by season two. And then Tyrone and Tandy's relationship is really strong. And the reason they discover their powers is like, because they are together, they're the dark and the light. And, and yeah, I just really love deep relationships like that. And I feel like a lot of the, um, the movies that we've gotten recently, the superhero movies, are focused more on like conflict, even among team members, you know. Except that it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that the two Marvel movies that we both liked this year, Captain Marvel, Carol and Nick Fury have a really fun relationship. Yes, they do. And she and her friend that she knew from before. Maria. Yeah, and in Spider-Man, he's got a ton of friends who are who all have his back and like it's real positive and he starts getting into a relationship with MJ and it's like people actually like each other and have respect for each other and treat each other well and and I think that's a common thread. The bigger ones, the Avengers ones, I think, they have to pack so much plot in there that there's not room for those fun friendship moments. Mhm. Although there have been, but they just don't get the center stage the way that the individual like with the specific character driven movies that are about one or two superheroes, they get to do a lot more. Like I remember the second Captain America movie did that really well. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a good point. And I think too, that's, that's why I in particular am being drawn to TV more because there is more time to flesh out relationships and things like that. And, you know, the solo movies like Captain Marvel or Spider-Man, they can do that because they're only focusing on the one character. So yeah, I totally agree with that. So my last thing is not a graphic novel because I I was really bad at reading graphic novels this year. I will have to get back to that next year. But uh, I picked a podcast called Escaping Nexium. Like I picked fun things for all the other things. And then, <laughs> and then I picked this really sad podcast. So if you don't know about Nexium, it is a cult, basically. And KW and I are both into true crime and... I can't, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm into cults. That sounds weird. <laughs> but You're interested. interested. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we Sorry. should also probably spell it for the audience because it's spelled weird. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, the podcast is called Escaping Nexium, And the way you spell that is all caps N-X-I-V-M. I know, looks weird. <laughs> and it's a podcast by CBC, uh, which is a Canadian company i think and it focuses on a woman named sarah edmondson who was in nexium that kind of started out as a self-help organization she's in it for like 12 years and she talks about how she realized it wasn't what it purported to be and um her trying to get out of the cult so it's very interesting very hard to listen to at some points but if you're into if you're into cults, <laughs> if you're interested in things that talk about why people behave a certain way and why they go along with the crowd and stuff, it might be might be up your alley. It's just and also a really well-produced podcast, I thought. It was, like, interesting and the topics each week were different, so. Yeah. Yeah. My last thing. I might have said my last thing for the last one, but that's okay. My final choice was Song of the Year. And I picked Orpheus by Sarah Bareilles 
I adore Sarah Brella. She's one of my favorite artists. And she came out with an album this year. And this is my favorite from that album. The album's called Amidst the Chaos. And the title actually comes from the lyrics of Orpheus, the song. It's not laid back, but it's kind of mellow. And it's kind of about when life gets hard, you regroup with the people you love. And there's a there's a part that talks about we're all just people who are seeking solid ground. And then there's later on in the song, she says something like, I hope my love was someone else's solid ground. And it's just about like being there for each other. And I keep saying in this day and age, in this year, I, I always feel angry and upset about a lot. So it's a good reminder, I think, to lean on the connections we have with different people and don't let the bad things outshadow the good things, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting a little sappy, but it's a really good song. You guys should listen to it. I'll put it on the the playlist. <laughs> I haven't heard that. So yeah, that sounds good. All right. So those were our favorite things of 2019. And now we are going to move on to a new TV pilot, which we haven't done in a couple weeks. And we picked The Dresden Files this time. This was on in 2007 on the Sci-Fi Channel for 12 episodes, just one season. And now you didn't watch this when it was on, correct? Correct. Okay. I did watch it when it was on, and I liked it when it was on. So this show stars Paul Blackthorne as Harry Dresden. Paul Blackthorne has been in other shows like Arrow, and he's been on Arrow for a long time. He's actually an English actor, but he uses an American accent in this. What? Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, his American accent is pretty great, actually. And he was on a show called The River, which was about okay. like a creepy supernatural river in the like Amazon. <laughs> and he used his real accent for that show. And I was like, what? But because his American <laughs> accent is so solid. Um, and he plays Harry Dresden, the, the title character. And then we also have Valerie Cruz as Lieutenant Connie Murphy. Valerie Cruz has been in other stuff. Um, she was on Nip Tuck is where I mostly know her from. And um, Terrence Mann plays Bob. Um, who is an interesting character. We'll get into his character in a little bit. Terrence Mann is actually an American actor, and he uses an English accent, <laughs> which is just hilarious. And I thought his accent was pretty good, too. I really liked him. His casting was pretty good. Those were the main regular characters, I think, that we see in the pilot. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the premise of this show. It's based on a series of contemporary fantasy novels by Jim Butcher, the first book is Stormfront, and they follow a wizard who is also a private investigator named Harry Dresden. He lives in Chicago, and he kind of looks into all the supernatural stuff. It's kind of a detective show, wouldn't you say? It's a little episodic, and it kind of covers cases that have something to do with magic, but he acts more like a private eye. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so the first episode is called Birds of a Feather, and... <laughs> We can debate whether this is a great like way to open the series, but it's a little boy seeks out Harry to hire him to like the boy ends up getting kidnapped, but it's by these crow people who <laughs> I really had a trouble following this episode too. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. <laughs> it's a little all over the place. Um and it's not based on any of the books. So it's a strange entry into this world. But Harry works with Connie Murphy a lot. She's a police detective, um, and she ends up, like, 
showing him that there's been this murder where somebody has gotten skinned alive. Yeah, she was skinned alive, but it turns out this woman is still walking around in the world. So there's these creatures called skinwalkers, but there's also crow people, and it it just got kind of confusing. But so we're introduced to Harry and Connie, and then there's Bob, who is this guy, he seems like he's another wizard, but in truth, he's like the ghost of a wizard who's been um, trapped in a skull and he has to kind of serve Harry as like a consultant, basically, which is a little different from how Bob is portrayed in the book series, but having him be a real person you can see. Oh, is, is it? Yeah, in the book series, he's just a talking skull. <laughs> okay. All right. I remember the skull part from the series, but okay, cool. And I don't think he's actually the ghost of a wizard he's just a spirit of chaos basically <laughs> um and in the books he also is obsessed with reading romance novels so as like tax for like helping harry harry will leave romance novels out in his apartment for bob to read <laughs> which is pretty cute <laughs> that's cute but yeah i didn't feel like this episode uh was the best entry into the series what did what did you think about the episode itself I agree with that. It kind of didn't seem like it knew what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Looking Okay, looking at it at the Wikipedia page now, it was actually supposed to be the third episode. Oh. And episode four was supposed to be the second episode. And episode eight was called Stormfront, which is one of the books. Yeah. And that was supposed to be episode one. Oh. So that actually makes a lot more sense because... There was nothing to, like, latch on to. Yeah. Like, I didn't know the relationships between the people, and I didn't know what the world was really supposed to be. So, like, at one point, one of my notes is just, like, does the cop know about Harry's magic? Because there's this scene where she comes into the bar and is like, what kind of creatures could skin people? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But then later, it seems like she doesn't know about his magic. So I was just really confused with that. And there's a part where the crow people have kidnapped the kid, but they think it's the skinwalker. So then the skinwalker comes to Harry's apartment and is like, where's the kid? And Harry and and Bob don't know because they thought the kid was with the skinwalker. And then the skinwalker like tortures him. Like she hangs him up and like punches him and stuff. And I just thought it was totally so strange because... We didn't really know him long enough to, I mean, obviously torture is bad and like being injured is bad, but I just, it just didn't really feel like there were a lot of stakes there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I completely agreed. And even though I've read a lot of the book series and had watched this before and I just felt like this is not, yeah. And, and it, hearing now that they moved the episodes around makes a little bit more sense. Episode eight is called Stormfront, and that was the first book of the series. So it sounds like that would have made a much better pilot. Um, So I don't know why they moved it around. That seems like it might have been part of why this show didn't succeed, really. And I actually watched a couple more. I watched the second episode and the third episode after I watched the pilot, because I was like, well, the, the atmosphere is cool, and I do like this actor a lot, and maybe it gets better. And it really didn't. Oh, geez. <laughs> I was going to maybe keep watching the whole series because it's only 12 episodes, but I just didn't feel like it was cohesive. And having them all shuffled around, it makes sense that it didn't feel cohesive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of things that people can do to kill a show and 
showing them or having them listed in a certain order that isn't really what the producers may have intended is one way to do that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's disappointing now that I see that they weren't aired in the correct order. Yeah, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. So there are flashbacks to when Harry was a kid. His father was a stage magician, and they traveled around, and Harry has already shown that he has magical powers, and um, his mother's brother, I believe, is trying to get his dad to give give him custody of Harry so he can learn his magic. And um, the kid was really creepy. Yeah, he was. I did not. I did not feel good about him. <laughs> I, oh, it was weird. And I was like, "Are you supposed to seem like you're going to grow up to be a serial killer?" I don't know. <laughs> I thought he kind of looked like he could be the young version of the actor that we get later. But yeah, he was not. I don't know. He was kind of. He came off awkwardly. And I will say, like I said, Paul Blackthorne. I feel like was very, very well cast. He did a great American accent. He sounds a lot like James Marsters, who did the audiobooks of the series. And I don't think they could have gotten James Marsters to play him in the TV show, because I think he was still doing Angel. But also, James Marsters does not look anything like Harry Dresden is described in the books. In the books, he's described as being very tall and dark haired. And, and that's just not what James Marsters looks like. But I think people get used to his voice. And so they cast a guy who had that voice, but who looked like the character. And it was brilliant. And I'm sad that they're going to do another version of the show. But obviously, Paul Blackthorne is on Arrow now and probably not available. And also, he's probably too old now. So yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see who they get and to make it be a little bit closer adaptation. Not to just be that person who's like, this was the thing that wasn't like the books and this wasn't. But, right. but you know, they could have done something that was still loose like this was and still had it be good. And I don't think they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. I'm not tied to adaptations having to be exactly like the books. I like when things are kind of loosely adapted. But yeah, this just kind of felt off. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. <laughs> no, me neither. It's too bad. I think it could have been a really good show, and there's bits that are not bad. I also liked Bob a lot. I thought he was well cast and pretty funny and interesting, but the cases are not interesting is my main issue. Yeah. So they just seem forgettable and weird, and I don't know. I think you can do a supernatural show that has interesting monster of the week or whatever, and this just didn't do that, so. Too bad. Yep. You wouldn't keep watching, would you? No. No. <laughs> no. I would, if I wanted to watch more Paul Blackthorne, I would uh, jump to Arrow. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's a better choice. All right. Another unsuccessful pilot watch. <laughs> Although, KW, you did watch a couple more episodes. I watched so. a total of three, but I think that's enough. <laughs> uh, okay. You're not going to finish. No. Because there are only, what, 12? There's only 12, 13. but, you know, life is short. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good philosophy. Yeah. Well, maybe next time we will find something that we both enjoy. Um, again, if you have any suggestions for us, let us know. But next time, we are going to talk about all kinds of fun pop culture stuff that will take us into the new decade, which I don't even like saying. <laughs> 
it's a new year today and it's a new decade and it's crazy. Yeah. I just hey. feel like the 2010s just flew by. They did. Yeah. Now we're and in I, the roaring 20s. Oh my. And I th- I am looking forward to a lot of the pop culture that's going to come out. I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff. Yes. And we'll talk about it. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. If you want to tweet at me, you can do that at Carrie Gessner. And I'm at KW Taylor Writer. If you'd rather email us, you could do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.